Well, markets were nervous on Friday because the University of Michigan survey has five-year inflation rising to 3.2%, suggesting that in the minds of consumers at least, inflation is going to be stickier than the experts are assuming. So who do we believe? The analysts or the punter? You don't have to answer that one, but certainly it's had some market impact. Too much? Well, we'll look at that today. It is Monday, the 15th of May, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Bond yields higher, equities down, the US dollar rising. That was the story on Friday and for most of the last week, really. Over the week, the US dollar rose about 1.5% on the DXY. The Aussie falling a little more than that, finishing up uh, below 66.5 US cents. The Kiwi dollar down more, down 1.6% over the week. Uh, less exposed with the Japanese yen and the Swiss franc, both of which fell about 0.7% across the week. Meanwhile, big rises in bond yields on Friday. 10-year treasuries up almost 8 basis points, 7 for 10-year gilts. Uh, Uh, and 6.5 basis points for Aussie 10-year yields. Uh, It was a mixed picture across the week, though, with 10-year Treasury yields up, but most of the others down, like 1.5 basis points lower for 10-year bonds, for example. In the US, the rise has been uh, more at the front end of the yield curve, two years up over seven basis points last week, 10 years up less than three. And it was a bad week for US equities, and Friday was no exception, with the Nasdaq down 0.4% on the day, 1.1% on the week. The biggest falls have been in China, though, the CS. 300 down 1.3% on Friday, for example. And oil taking a hammering two at the end of the week. Brent down 1.1% on Friday, almost down to 74 now. It certainly doesn't seem to want to get out of the low 70s lately. Uh, and generally, not a good week for any sort of commodity except iron ore up 0.7% over the week and 0.9% up on Friday. But a few things uh, there markets are responding to. One is uh, more bank concerns, another is the debt ceiling, but another is the Michigan consumer inflation expectations on Friday. There's other things going on as well. Here's NAB's Ray Actual to talk us through them. But I mean, put all those together. If you're looking for a word for the market on Friday, the word would have to be nervous, wasn't it? Because I mean, because there's not too much good news around, really. I think that's right. Yeah, good morning, Phil. But um, there does seem to be. I mean, if, if I look at sort of equities, it doesn't look like it was a horrendous sort of risk off um, occasion on Friday, but um, uh, but bond yields were certainly higher and the dollar materially higher. So um, the dollar, US dollar that looked like it was sort of set to resume its downtend through uh, this year's lows um, has made something of a, of a decent comeback, hasn't it, in the last uh, last few days, as you mm. say, up one and a half percent on the week. And, and that's meant that the Aussie dollar that was, again, looking like it was going to poke out the top of the what's been a 66 to 68 cent range for the most part in the last couple of months, you know, is now back with a 66 handle on it. And, you know, in looking for, you know, for reasons for that, you have to say that that University of Michigan um, consumer sentiment survey, specifically the five to 10 year inflation expectations component, which printed at 3.2%, which is the, you have to go back to uh, 2011, to see the last time it was there, um, clearly mm. spooked. I'm looking at just the sort of tick charts, and clearly the, the the sell-off that we saw in bonds, sell-off in equities, and the strengthening of the dollar, um, you know, certainly got a, a big kick, basically, from uh, to almost to the minute but that those numbers were released. Isn't there a bit of a circularity going on here? I mean, the Fed pushes rates up. People think inflation must have a bit of staying power, so they expect it's going to stay longer or rise more. The Fed sees that people think this, and so they think, well, we're going to have to, uh, because we've got rising expectations, we might have to put rates up more. I mean, <laughs> well, is, that, is that how it's supposed is, to work? There is some, there's, something, there's something to be said for that, but the fact is that, you know, and particularly on this particular release, um, you know, one of the economic commentators that I'm 
I'm a particular fan of, was saying, well, you know, if the Bank of England, as one example last week, you know, revises its inflation forecast by multiple percents every time it sits down, and, and these are supposedly the, the pointiest heads in the business, you know, what hope have consumers got of telling you where inflation is going to be five to ten years out? So why would, she, why would we care? And if but, the market's um, responding to the, the consumers, is, why have those pointy heads? Why not just ask the consumers what they think? Well, as I say, the, but the point is that uh, Jay Powell, for one, and Janet Yellen before him, make explicit mention of that series as something that they watch closely. So, you know, to the proverbial, you have to mm. play the play the man or woman rather than the ball, then you can't, um, you know, you can't ignore that. And uh, certainly that's the way that markets chose to uh, to interpret those numbers. Now, of course, when we get the final numbers at the end of the month, what's to say they won't be revised, you know, and the number will come in at 3%, nothing to see here, move on. But uh, <laughs> certainly, but I, to your point, I think it, it does, you know, for something that's, that shouldn't be a major piece of economic yeah. news and may well be in an erratic or a blip or revised away it does play to that sort of n nervous tone uh, partly because of the other things well, and, and no more so than the debt ceiling where yeah. you know talks are, are supposed to resume today so yeah it's just the question where do we put our money isn't it so but the but the rise in the US dollar which is the biggest since february so yeah one and a half percent over the week is it because people are now thinking well, is the Fed going to go more? Are they going to rise more than elsewhere? Hence, there's more demand for the US dollar. What, what is it specifically that's driving the US dollar? I think it's exactly that. I mean, if you before those numbers came out on Friday, the market was ascribing a very low probability to the Fed lifting rates further from that sort of five to five and a quarter percent, which mm. we had earlier in the month. I think it had something like two basis points of, uh, or two percent, sorry, uh, probability priced in. That's jumped to 13 percent after those numbers. So, you know, it, it's it's still relatively low, but it does attest to the sort of nervousness in the markets that it's earlier confidence that the Fed is necessarily done at, at five to five and a quarter you know, is certainly being shaken somewhat. So, uh, and I do think that, uh, you know, as we've been saying in, in amongst the FX strategy team, you know, every time the market gets confident that the Fed is done, the US dollar tends to fall. So I think the loss of a little bit of that confidence um, mm. probably goes a long way to explaining the resumption of US dollar strength. And it's probably not being helped by Fed speakers, still very divided, isn't it? Looking at, you know, who is talking at the end of the week. But if you're looking for, for a direction, I mean, it's still tilting to a more hawkish outlook. If you had to pick one direction, you'd say, yes, they're still talking it up a bit. Yeah, we've had James Bullard, who is, you know, one of the more hawkish members, or certainly has been in the last year or two, who said only that we th he thinks we're now, <clears throat> excuse me, at the low end of sufficiently restrictive um, which means he still thinks there's more to there's more to come. Um, and during our time zone on Friday, we had Michelle Bowman saying it's not clear that the Fed is restrictive enough, inflation is much too high, and that rates need to stay restrictive for some time. So there's still that view that you know you're you're, you're deluded if you think that uh, we're going to be slashing rates in the second half of the year. So um, <clears throat> all up, it's um, I'd still say that um, the Fed is not willing to sound the all clear and it's not willing to give any sucker. To the idea that uh, if we are, if the economy is going to, you know, to be materially weaker or in recession in the second half of the year, even as early as this current second quarter, and inflation falls away, that that we're yet minded to cut rates nearly as quickly as the market thinks. And that word nervous, I mean, you, you mentioned the debt ceiling. That's got to be part and parcel of it all as well, haven't, hasn't it? I mean, so we've got till the, the, the first weeks of June, maybe even the first day of June. Uh, that seems to be what, you know, the, the, what Janet Yellen seems to be reckoning. That's just a, a couple of weeks away, which, you know, long time in politics. It'll probably get some sort of resolution, but it'll add to that nervousness. And presumably that's 
also what's you know impacting treasury bills a bit as well no i certainly it is actually and uh, but obviously you know i don't think it's affecting you know treasury bonds you know directly at this stage but because uh, of anything you know ironically when we get nervousness about the us defaulting on its debt people pile into us treasuries as the seen as the preeminent safe haven uh, safe haven asset but um but i think the difference between now and, and probably past occasions where we've had um, debt ceiling shenanigans is that we're already really late in the piece, you know. Um, and yes, something will be resolved, but it doesn't mean it's going to get resolved before that X date, which um, is at the moment is, is, is reckons to be as early as the 1st of June. Janet Yellen was speaking at the G7 on the weekend, but didn't give an update on that. Um, but, we, we, you know, at this stage, you'd have to say the chances of having a government shutdown, because the government's going to have to rearrange its priorities for spending um, to avoid that default. Fault, um, which means you know a lot of employees, government employees may well get furloughed. Um, that's not going to be a good look from a risk perspective, and uh, it, it's probably going to add further weight to an economy that looks like it's sort of pretty much in recession or heading to recession, even without a, a large-scale government shutdown. So. Um, there's a lot to play for. Yeah, and the more we go through this week and next week without any being resolved, obviously, the, the more we're going to see a response to that then, the closer we get to it. Yeah, I would have thought so. I would have thought so. And uh, say, so we're mid-May now, aren't we? So uh, it's two yep. weeks away. And uh, um, there were some optimistic noises coming from President Biden over the weekend, saying that talks were making some, so obviously relatively low-level talks, I guess, making progress. But um, there is supposed to be a White House meeting between the president and the uh, uh, the leaders of, the, of, of both houses resuming today that was supposed to take place on Friday, but which was postponed. So let's see what comes out of that. But uh, I have to say, at, uh, at the moment, given the you know the, the, the sound bites coming from both sides, um, I wouldn't be too optimistic that uh, we're going to have a breakthrough as early as this week. So if we're saying that a lot of the, the moves on Friday were sort of like oversized responses to that slight edge up in consumer expectations, which, as you say, uh, inflation expectations, which, as you say, could just come back down again. Uh, what about the moves on the uh, the Australian dollar and particularly the, the, the New Zealand dollar? I mean, the New Zealand dollar was down 1.7% on Friday. I know. It was, uh, I mean, ironically, um, you know, Rodrigo, myself and our, our New Zealand colleagues were scratching our heads on Friday morning trying to work out why <clears throat> the New Zealand dollar had been the strongest currency in the world <laughs> in the first two weeks of May. And uh, we couldn't come up with a with a plausible explanation, certainly not in terms of any of the incoming uh, domestic uh, news flow that we've had, far from it. Um, there's some suggestion perhaps because of uh, Cyclone Gabriel, there may be some, some chunky flows because uh, big insurance payouts, for example, that have to be uh, funded from, from international insurance companies can sometimes create flow which shows up in foreign exchange. But to, frankly, we were clutching at straws in, in, in using that as an explanation. Uh, and here we are, you know, going from sort of hero to zero in, in one trading session so um um, it may mm. simply be a case of, uh, of what went up must come down, which is not particularly helpful, I know, <laughs> to our listeners. But, but, um, but, it was an- but easy to understand. <laughs> yeah, there we are. Uh, if you have difficulty understanding some of the concepts, if it goes up, sometimes it comes down again. You can, we can all get that one. Look, uh, the UK's stellar growth uh, we saw on Friday, 0.1%. Whoopee! In Q1, uh, which actually is ex- the expected number that we were talking about with Gavin at the end of the week. Hugh Pill from the Bank of England has been speaking since then. He said inflation is at a turning point, which uh, which sounds good. But we, you know, again, we were talking about because of base effects coming through. We were talking about that last week, uh, but also, you know, low demand. You know, that zero point one percent growth in Q one, mm-hmm. for example. So a pause, uh, presumably, from the Bank of England, although well, the markets I- aren't saying so just yet. No, in fact, even after 
Hill spoke and talked about that uh, that turning point. If I look at market pricing for the June Bank of England meeting, uh, Mark is actually a bit more confident. I think it was pricing something like 19 basis points on Thursday, and now it's over 21 basis points. So hasn't made much of an impression. That may simply be spillover from higher money market rates in the US and elsewhere. But um, so, you know, personally, I still think it's, it's, it's too too soon to sound the all clear, at least. And we will get the labor market numbers this week tomorrow. And I think the wages mm. component of that, because clearly it was sort of upside surprise in wages and upside surprises in inflation numbers that, that prompted the bank to, uh, you know, to carry on tightening at the point where many people thought that they were close to a pause. So, um, so you know, whether they, they, you know, they may pause in June, but um, it's clearly going to depend on the extent of that fall in inflation that's very well flagged. But is it going to be a bit more, a bit less than expected? And equally important, I suspect, is uh, what happens with wages in this week's employment report. And the ECB, uh, very mixed signals coming from there over the weekend. Louis de Guindo, the uh, the vice president of the ECB. I mean, this this sounds optimistic. He said, we have now entered the home stretch of our monetary policy tightening path, which, you know, you might read as thinking, well, OK, so what's that mean? One more or and then that's it. But he also said, that's why we are returning to normality to 25 basis point steps. Hmm. So that, steps, plural. So that, so that's sort of like saying, well, it could be one more, it could be another two or three, but, you know, all 25, not 50 or 75. Right. But, you know, right. you sort of assume at this stage, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, obviously, you know, there's a big spread of uh, spread of opinions on the ECB, as we know, on that so-called sort of hawk-dove spectrum, basically. But um, a little mm-hmm. bit, of, obviously, last week we had, uh, you know, one of the more hawkish members saying that, you know, we may have to get up to at least 4% and we'll still be tightening, you know, come the September meeting. But, uh, at the moment, I'd say if, there, if there's some sort of compromise on view, then there's certainly at least one more uh, to come and, and, and possibly two. But uh, so um, I don't think getting all the way up to four is necessarily baked in the cake at this stage. But you'd have to say that, uh, you know, one or two more hikes uh, does seem to be more likely than not at this stage. And, you know, a lot will depend on what happens with sort of bank lending. We know that credit conditions, you know, have tightened materially in, in, in the last couple of months. But, you know, whether that's actually going to translate into to much weaker bank lending or not remains to be seen but I think that will be a swing factor because in itself that would imply you know a significant tightening of monetary conditions that may mean ECB policy has less to do Right a reasonably quiet today the Empire Manufacturing Survey for the US uh, Cash Curry and Bostick amongst the, the Fed speakers overnight tonight New Zealand's Performance Services Index this morning uh, industrial production numbers for Europe and le- but later in the week quite a bit isn't there so we've got US retail sales we've got Canada's CPI uh, the labour market data you mentioned for the UK we've got China's activity readings uh, on the home front. We've got the RBA minutes on Tuesday. We've got the, as you mentioned, the wage price index for Q2 on Wednesday as well, with an expectation that's going to be up a, a little bit. So, And we have employment data on Tuesday for Australia too. So it's going to be, after a quiet day today, a fairly busy week. No, I think it is. And certainly that uh, wage price index and the uh, employment numbers, I think we'll, we'll, we'll certainly see some kind of movement in uh, expectations for uh, whether or not the RBA is going to follow up its, uh, its May high with another one um, the market has um, you know has very little price for that so the risk is that you know either an upside surprise in the wage price index or um, you know a flat or even further fall in the unemployment rate could certainly move the dial to suggest that uh, the risk of, of uh, further tightening is underpriced. Mm. So in, in in summary then this nervousness that we're seeing is, is it fair to say that you know we are now gradually coming to the realization that inflation is taking longer to move down in many parts of the world 
and there's a fear that we're going to have either an, an induced recession or a period of stagnation or very slow growth. And that might actually be the only way through this. And we're, we're going to be stuck with that for longer than we thought. Well, certainly it's the case that, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a policy that dare not speak its name publicly, but uh, engineering, you know, a sufficient economic slowdown and weakening in the labour market is, you know, as I've said before, is part of the solution, not, you know, it's an inevitable inevitable consequence but it's actually necessary in order to bring um you know inflation expectations down and and wage demands down effectively so um you know i wouldn't i wouldn't agree that you know inflation everywhere is proving to be more resilient i think in the us we've had some pretty positive signs there so you know we're still of the view that the fed is done uh, and that they will be cutting rates at the end of the year so we're not uh, challenging market pricing in that respect but um in other parts of the world it's uh, you know it, it's not obvious that uh, you know we're through the worst of inflation we're whether you're looking at uh, looking at the eurozone or, or looking at uh, inflation down here in Australia. So consumers, I mean, what do they know when we're looking at inflation? Well, I guess we're going to find mm-hmm. out who's right or who's wrong, aren't we? <laughs> Good to talk anyway, Ray. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, Phil. That's it. That's the morning call for this Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow. See you then.